0: Good morning, good afternoon and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mliwa Kawaza and for today it is a Friday, which means we get into um, the economic issues that are affecting South Africa in and around the country. And for today, we're going to be getting into uh, the economic importance of connectivity and particularly, you know, uh, the connectivity of people outside of uh, the main cities in South Africa. Um, As you know, we talk to a lot of fund managers, but for today, we are talking to a group that's looking to solve some of the issues around, um, you know, rural connectivity, which is something that we've explored quite a bit, um, you know, on this platform, whether we're talking about satellites, uh, whether we're talking about, uh, you know, things like uh, the load shedding impact in, you know, such uh, in outlying areas and the like, there is a lot to consider um, out there, you know, simply because as much much as we talk about uh, connectivity in the more developed uh, parts of South Africa, connectivity in um, the more rural and outlying parts of uh, of the country is still a huge issue despite the fact that you have uh, some of the country's largest uh, telecoms operators saying that they've covered the country in uh, up to 98-99% to of uh, 3G and 4G coverage. There are still lots of gaps along the way and unfortunately a lot of South Africans do find themselves um, without uh, forced and reliable connectivity. So to help us to unpack a uh, you know what uh, this group is doing uh, we're going to be talking to infra impact investment managers uh, they specialize in uh, infrastructure in impact investment management and we're just going to be understanding um, you know what does that actually mean and how are they um, going about trying to tackle you know this particular issue and to help us uh, on that journey we are joined by mark van fake um, who is a co-managing partner together uh, with monet idas who is a uh, co Co-managing partner as well over at uh, Infra Impact. The gentleman, greetings to you.
1: Hi, oh, good, uh, but do you no, pleased to meet you, and uh, thanks for making time to chat to us.
0: Now, thank you so much, you know, for being with us. I think maybe uh, Mark, I'll start with you on this one, just to maybe get an understanding. Um, infra impact, um, you know, where do you guys sit um, in the inf- investment uh, landscape? Uh, there's a lot of names uh, that people tend to put and attach to their investment outfits. Uh, whether we say private equity, venture capital, corporate finance, project finance, there's so many, you know. Names names out there. Uh, where do you guys uh, fit, you know, in the ecosystem?
1: So where we find ourselves currently in the ecosystem on the investment landscape, uh, we positioned ourselves as a, as an impact manager uh, focusing on putting capital to work within the infrastructure space, um, in the private market specifically. So um, in terms of a technical definition, we'd probably call ourselves infrastructure equity investors. Uh, in the private markets, and um, with specific focus at the mid-market opportunity set uh, within the South African uh, or Southern African context.
0: Uh, Monet, we're hearing the words mid-market. What does that uh, What does that actually mean? Um, you know, just so that we can get a little bit of context, just around where you guys are playing um, on the spectrum.
2: Well, thank you. Good morning, and good morning to to the audience as well. So for us, when, we, when we're talking about mid-market, we, we're talking about smaller size transactions. For us, that means writing check sizes, anything between 50 and 100 million South African rands. And for us, it's it's part of our strategy. We believe the, the mid-market is less competitive than the larger size transactions. And it gives us opportunity to be more bespoke in how we structure our transactions in our in our pipeline and then add value to to the portfolio opportunities on behalf of our of our clients. What we say typically is we we're trying to address a disconnect in the market where there is uh, a short of supply of capital in the in the mid market space um and bigger demand in the in the mid market space because there are more companies, more opportunities to create jobs more management teams and entrepreneurs looking for capital to deploy but most uh, managers play in the large cap space so that creates an, an opportunity for us where we also differentiate ourselves relative to our peers in the market.
0: All right. I think that gives us a little bit of an understanding, um, you know, around uh, where you guys are playing. Uh, but perhaps as a quick follow up, name now when you guys are looking at opportunities, uh, what specific opportunities are you looking at, you know, when it comes to some of these uh um smaller transactions, um I think just observing the industry, there does seem to be quite a bit of interest from um, the investment community around infrastructure right now, both in South Africa and on the continent. Um, but when it comes to those opportunities, there are so many things that are happening inside the data centers, uh, fiber, you know mobile networks and the like um what you know where do you guys see the opportunity at the moment?
2: So, so we when we talk infrastructure for us, and, as Mark alluded to to playing in the mid market space, we focus and specialise in in four sectors, and the the acronym we like to use is wet because we focus on water, waste, renewable energy, and telecommunications those are those are sectors that we've invested in historically, we believe there's there's large opportunities. And need for private sector investment specifically in those four sectors uh, and more specifically in the in the South african context it 's also from an investor point of view, sectors that uh, are what we call uh, pandemic proof we also what happened to businesses in in the during the pandemic, and so for us, we always have a, a need for for water, for example, we'll always be producing waste. We always need connectivity more so, and more importantly now than ever. And we also need, as we know, with the load shedding situation currently, energy. Um. So those are our sectors which we see as as counter cyclical. They deliver essential products and services to communities uh, throughout South Africa. That's also historically where where our team has has invested and, and both experience. Um, and it's also what we call secular growth sectors in, in South Africa, it's sectors where there's private sector expertise can, can add value and it's also sectors for us importantly and close to our hearts from an impact perspective is great uh, job, job creation opportunities, these are essential services and the environmental impact of investing in the sectors and ensuring the infrastructure in the sectors that we invest in is, is world class in order to make a, a difference in, in South Africa and the communities where these businesses and projects are, are based as well.
0: It certainly does sound as if there is a lot of opportunity, and we're certainly going to get into some of uh, the other three sectors. But as someone who keeps a close eye on technology, media, and telecoms, I'm very interested uh, in, the tech- in the telecoms piece. Um, you know, of uh, of your investment strategy. Um, so, Mark, just t- trying to understand. I think one of the deals uh, that's come through uh, recently is uh, Eagle Towers. Um, I think you guys um, help them to get uh, you know about 100 million rand in terms of uh, funding uh, that's come through from uh, uh, it should be prescient if I remember correctly that you're working um, with uh, on that particular on that particular deal in your universe um, eagle is it a portfolio company? Is it a client? Is it uh, you know one of many? Is it the only one? You know, uh, contextualize that for us.
1: And I think to put into context, just as uh, what Mona mentioned earlier, so one of our pillars uh, or verticals that we put capital to work in is the telecoms infrastructure space. So within that space, we put in capital to work in in the, the what we call the tower co network space. We, we invest into fiber co's. We're investing into data centers, as you mentioned earlier, and also other different types of uh, telecommunications technologies. So, Eagle Towers uh, specifically is a, a tower tower co entity um, that provides infrastructure to mobile network operators um, on a on a on a long-term lease basis. And what 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 makes Eagle Towers relatively unique is that it's got a f- core focus of its business is, is to provide telecommunication and uh, data connectivity in mainly rural areas in South Africa, and therefore assisting it with regard to the digital divide challenge that we have. I think at the, at the introduction with you mentioned um, the 98% connectivity rate at the 3G and a 2G level. Um, and I think uh, what, we, what we've what also realized as a, as a market um, is that you know 3D, 3G and 2G connectivity is probably not the best connectivity to have in a, in a modern um, economy, and therefore we need to increase the capacity for 4G and also broadband, other broadband infrastructure in these uh, peri-urban and rural areas. And so Eagle Towers is one of our portfolio companies. We've um, invested in the entity uh, more than a year ago. It's also our second opportunity to have invested in the entity after being involved in the entity for more than eight years. And as you correctly noted, uh, we've we've also facilitated additional capital into the portfolio company uh, with a a long-term senior financing facility from uh, another specialist lender um, in the market, also in the infrastructure space, uh, as named uh, Prescient Asset Management. So
0: when you guys are thinking about, uh, you know, uh, a company like that now, from your point of view, uh, something like Eagle Towers, is that a long term type of investment that you're looking at? Or is that something that becomes strategic in the current moment where your what you call this, where your infrastructure assets are, you know, do have quite a bit of uh, upside potential currently? How do you guys view it?
1: Yeah, maybe I, I could have a start at that. Uh, so, firstly, I think we we long-term investors. Um, so, we invest capital with the objective to hold assets between seven to ten years at least, and also where opportunities present themselves to, to actually hold those assets for a much longer period of time. And I think maybe just to put it into context as well, mudiwa is that uh, the infrastructure, the reason why we've chosen infrastructure uh, investments, specifically in the current economic environment, is that, Infrastructure investments um, lenses sells very well for uh, for institutional investors. So it's uh, specifically if you look at in a, in a tower co perspective, it's long term income, predictable income, um, predictable profit margin, and the opportunity for capital appreciation. So the return profile is very good for institutional investors, and the risk is 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 very much mitigated and therefore from a relative value perspective compared to other let's call it private market opportunities the infrastructure asset class in our view uh, potentially outperforms that and therefore um our strategy is to be long-term strategic investors in these companies um we have the ability and the skill set and the expertise to assist in scaling these operations um to a point where they they become very attractive for other uh, strategic investors in the market as well to to participate in them. So we have got a very much a long term view um, by putting capital to work in these sectors.
0: Okay, cool. No, that certainly makes sense. Um, you know, on that front, um, perhaps I'll bring Monet in on this. Uh, you know, on a, just to understand. Um, What Mark has just said is something that we've actually heard from a number of, um, you know, other investors in the space to say that infrastructure assets are quite attractive at the moment, because if you've got a set of towers, if you've got fiber, whatever it is, um, you those are long term types of contracts. Uh, You know, that people that people are signing um, at the same time, because those are long term contracts, you can literally plan your revenues, um, you know, from from some of these projects, you know, way out into the future, up to five years, five, 10 years into the future, knowing that you've got that steady income stream that's going to come. But keen to understand right now where you guys sit and see the space, how much I don't know how, how to answer ask ask this question properly. Rural connectivity is a huge problem. Even ICASA has gone so far as to, you know, say that, you know, mobile operators just need to find a way to address this issue. We have a number of entities um that are trying to do their piece of, you know, covering and bringing connectivity to some of the more outlying and isolated parts of the country, rural areas and the like. At the moment, is there a way to measure how much more of the rural market is left (laughs) um you know to be covered you know if if the question
2: that i'm asking is coming through clearly yeah it's it's difficult to say there's different stats and, and data points on it i think in in the south african context as you as you mentioned rural mobile connectivity it is crucial for south africa it's crucial for economic development it's it's helping to bridge that digital divide which exists it provides there's what we call access to information and, and communication, um, especially to people living in, in the remote areas. And if you look at just some World Bank data, it suggests that at least 32% of the population still lives in rural areas. And for them, mobile phones are a lifeline uh, for many people. So with mobile connectivity, it allows rural residents to, to access education, to access health services, to stay in touch with the family, friends. And furthermore, it plays a critical role and economic development by providing these opportunities for entrepreneurship, for, for job creation, where we need it most, especially in these remote areas. Um, so what we're trying to do really is improve this rural connectivity, which is essential also for providing equitable access for resources, for opportunities, to achieve our overarching role as a fund as well to reduce poverty and, and inequality and advance sustainable development in the South African context as well.
0: Um, And also, I think attached to uh, that particular theme is to – what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Attached to that theme is the fact that because we're talking about outlying areas – um inherently we 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 do need to deal with the power issue right because we are talking about uh, mobile networks and that's been a huge issue for uh the mobile providers the billions that they're spending on fortressing uh their network infrastructure to keep it alive during load shedding um so keen to understand because you guys are coming in on the funding side uh for some of these projects for some of these assets um in the current environment is the money that you guys are you know helping to provide to a company like Eagle Towers is that um is that going towards new builds you know is it going towards um you know I guess fortressing existing networks when it comes to um power resilience and the like uh, what are the dynamics at the moment
1: yeah um so maybe to answer that question uh, the, so our capital invested in our portfolio companies, mainly growth capital. So we put in capital to work to expand um, networks and capacity. We have identified that you know, there is um, uh, an opportunity to, to expand uh, uh, infill opportunities and other unique opportunities from a telecommerce perspective, given the big need and demand as Morna alluded to earlier. And as correctly stated, so we're also working with our portfolio companies uh, to provide uh, power as a, as a service or power as a solution. Um, as Tower Coast traditionally, um, we've been, the value proposition has been to be able to provide infrastructure on which mobile network operators can actually operate their businesses. And previously it was only the passive infrastructure, and just more recently, given the, the challenges from an energy perspective, there's also been the request that uh, power, uh, uh, power as a service be offered um, in addition to, to the, the passive infrastructure to mobile network operators for them to operate their businesses effectively in these areas.
0: Okay, Uh, that makes sense. At least we understand that this is capital that's sort of being allocated for, you know, specifically uh, the expansion piece. And I'm guessing that the companies themselves, you know, do find a way to then take care of um the 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 power piece and that becomes more important when you think about power as a service um but i think we've spoken you know quite at length about uh, what you call this rural networks and the like and i'm hoping that uh, you know in this last part of the discussion we can just touch on a couple of other areas and because you guys are playing in that um smaller to mid market uh, you know types of deals what I'm very keen to get your take on is fiber, right? We hear that fiber is, you know, very capital intensive. And we, when I think about some of the funding uh, that we've recently seen, you know, going to some of the networks in the last year, I think, uh, if I remember, I, I, I get the numbers mixed up. But uh there's a 5 billion and there's a 2 billion that's gone to Octotel that's gone to Metro Fiber um you know in the last year alone from some of the from some of the large banks and in the case of Octotel that's a, that's a network that's a, that's a fiber operator that isn't na- it's not even national um they are western cape you know based type of operation um so from your from your vantage point um how much room is there um, for a small player to actually effectively compete you know in the fiber space, especially given how how much money needs to be spent in some of these networks and are you able to give us some idea of what your investments in the fiber space look like?
1: Yeah, no thank you for that question um, so we've identified the fiber uh or broadband connectivity opportunity you know, probably more than eight nine years ago, and we've successfully historically deployed capital. In which we call a kind of precinct like uh, d- developments, we we think that the opportunity set has grown. Uh, given you know the, during the pandemic, obviously there's been a big increase in demand for for data, and then it's, it's the new normal for many of us um, currently. And so, you know, we see the opportunity stretching into the capital, specifically in the fibre space. You know, there's uh, statistics out in the market that we've only about 30 percent or close to 20 percent penetration rates, you know, across the country, which uh, and and I think the initial focus of many operators in the market has been to go to the um, the higher LSM groups, uh, groupings or suburbs across the country and uh, therefore now migrating its way down further to the middle LSM and the lower LSM market opportunity that, that also uh, have a demand. For for this this type of connectivity, and therefore there is a definitely a big need for capital. So you you've given some context with regard to the existing incumbents in the market. Um, there are a number of opportunity sets that um, that might be too small for some of these existing incumbents to potentially pursue, and therefore leave pockets of opportunities available for portfolio portfolio companies that we support. Um, in these specific areas and and um, we we're working with some very good entrepreneurs that with, with deep expertise and experience in in these markets um, with with quality or uh, uh, networks that uh, sometimes surpass uh, those of the bigger operators so it's once again um, uh, a David versus Goliath um, market opportunity where we see that the smaller operators do have the ability. Uh, and the expertise and competency to operate in, and compete against the bigger ones, and we supporting them with additional capital to make sure that, uh, firstly, um, we can uh, deliver on the connectivity requirement, and secondly, also deliver a, a capital preservation for our clients and a good return for our clients at the same time, and and in that way. Uh, together with our skill sets that we add to our portfolio companies, we can uh, unlock those opportunities.
0: Uh, and I think for me, just as with uh, the rural mobile connectivity, fiber, you know, does present an interesting opportunity um, for what you call this. It does present an interesting opportunity, especially for some of the hyper localized players. Right. You might be a large player, but yeah, have focused all your attention on the large metros. Uh but if you are a smaller player that has gone and, you know, been able to establish a fiber network in some of the smaller towns, you know, let's say I'm thinking I'm thinking of garden root towns, for example, um, you know, along the beach. Those those tend to be smaller populations and the like. Um and if you are a specialist in those areas, I can definitely see a big one and then you backhaul through a talcum and you now have um you now have, you know, some good coverage my question then monet uh, just bringing you in here is to get a sense of do the davids the smaller players um continue you know to 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 dominate in those um I, I guess we're using the term hyperlocal now um, in those in those hyperlocal, um, you know, sectors, you know, uh, we, I, I'm the king. I'm the king of Grahamstown. I'm the king of uh, Nisner, um, you know, whatever it is. Uh, or do you see the Davids coming together, um, you know, regionally? Because everyone keeps talking about consolidation. Um and we see a lot of consolidation amongst the bigger players. Uh but in the smaller mark, in the smaller uh what you call this within the smaller players, um I guess my curiosity is just more around um do the Davids are they better placed staying as small Davids or are they better placed coming together and trying to form, you know, Goliaths over time?
2: Great question. I think I think you you spot on in the in the sense that the the larger players in the in the market are focused on the the lower hanging fruit opportunities. So the initial focus from the players in the market was on the the, health, the high LSM areas in in South Africa, um, the well to do suburbs in South Africa, the the metros. That that was where the initial focus was the the affluent suburbs. And you'll see the the connectivity stats coming through in terms of connecting those those mainly urban uh, high lsm uh, suburbs as well Um, but at the same time the the companies that we invest in are focusing on those pockets where there's still opportunities for for connectivity so what we refer to as opportunities within multi-dwelling units for example where the the economics are a bit different um speaking to the to the outer line areas that that you referred to around the the garden route as well there are still opportunities where we need to get fiber there and and this in a sense is also the the opportunity for collaboration between our portfolio companies so if you have a a telecoms fiber company fiber needs to connect to to mobile and and, and wireless and and vice versa and there's various strategies these companies employ to ensure what we call rapid deployment as well. Where if you don't have the the fiber coming past a, a suburb or housing or, or dwellings, you can allow for interim connections on a on a wireless basis. And for that, you need you need towers, for example. And and this allows us to to look at the ecosystem holistically. And see how our portfolio companies can collaborate as well. Mm. No,
0: that certainly does make sense. Um, you know, from that point of view, and uh, I think going forward, it will be interesting to see how the, you know the spaces do develop. Uh, Mark, uh, Mark, you want to say something?
1: But, but do you want, Yeah, maybe just to add on to that. Uh, I think uh, what we. Must not lose sight of as is, well is quality of service. And it does not necessarily mean the biggest pro- provides the best quality of service. You've got like, you know, old parastatals that had a monopoly on this market, uh, was the biggest and probably still is one of the biggest, but providing relatively poor quality service to the end users. And so you have uh, um, the opportunity set there where there's a certain parts of um, of communities that would prefer working with a smaller, more focused entity that can provide them quality services at you know at 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 the drop of a hat when required, as opposed to um, staying for hours on a on on a, on a helpline waiting to get connectivity when you need it the most
0: yeah no i can i can certainly attest um you know to what you're saying i'm not going to name the company but i um, getting service <laughs> getting service from my um you know fiber network operator ha- is sometimes a mission um luckily the breaks don't happen often but when they do um, getting someone, an actual technician to come to the house and sort something out um, is, uh, yeah. I can definitely attest, is a mission. So I, I, I take that point. I agree with you 120%. Um, so, gentlemen, um, as we're ending off uh, today's discussion, I said at the beginning it would be nice to get into some of the other areas that you're investing in, but there they simply isn't enough time to get into the waste um you know the water as well as renewables but i was just hoping that um, we can make a quick link um to renewables specifically because that's you know one of those things that people are talking about quite a bit and there's a lot of investment interest right now and i'm going to uh, what i so what i'm going to do is i'm going to pose something that i that i recently heard from a um an entrepreneur in the solar space. Funny enough, he was actually on this uh on this specific platform and just to get your thoughts uh because at the moment a lot of the solar players are smaller players because the market is where it is. Um there's a lot of small players that are all competing around the country trying to trying to jostle it out. And uh the thing that this one entrepreneur said, he said that in solar for example, the way that solar installations are done could be helped if it followed the model that fiber uses right uh the deployment of fiber in in neighborhoods in certain cities etc the way that the way that that map is followed um, that you know you could possibly do the same with solar and probably increase efficiencies that way. I see Mark is nodding his head, so you know you can have the first crack at this, and then um, and then Monet you can uh, have the last word. Yeah,
1: I think you. We we've been thinking about this. I think we're putting capital to work in the in the commercial, and industrial space within the solar sector. So large factories, large buildings, large office blocks, uh, with our portfolio companies either. Just a traditional EPC contract, or with an O&M services attached to that, or we provide a a long-term power purchase agreement where we sell electrons to our end users, uh, to our portfolio companies. Uh, And I think outside that middle market, which is the commercial industrial, we're looking at systems more than north of 400 or 250 kilowatt uh, capacity. There are these smaller systems, 50 kilowatts, 10, 20 kilowatt systems. In the residential space and i think when you speak about fiber fiber's got a similar kind of um construct you know you've got uh, fiber to the business and you've got fiber to the home with fiber to the home being a massive market opportunity and so and let's call it like you know solar to the home is equally a massive opportunity and as you as you correctly stated, um you know uh the, the the fiber the fiber deployment is more of a, a risk of uptake deployment. So you, the, the the investor into the infrastructure is taking a view on the, on the on on the the value proposition, demand for the end product that is being put in. And so, not everybody in the in the road will actually connect to the fiber network. But sometimes the economics work if there's a 40% potential take up at a certain rate, and demand, and the economics for that street connectivity works. And um, and similarly with solar, for example, um, it is it is it is basically procurement and drop procurement and drop on a on a on a case by case basis, and so is an opportunity, for example, to maybe do it at a much larger scale, and then take your view with regard to to, to take up rate um, subsequently, and and we've we've started working with some portfolio some portfolio companies to start evaluating that fiber to the, let's call it the solar to the home market opportunity, and, and see as to whether there is a, a feasible economic model that can work over a long period of time, similarly to, to, the, to the fiber, um, and, and therefore make a, a big penetration in that market. And I think there's a cross-sell opportunity as well with fiber companies actually cross-selling into, into solar opportunities. Um, and I think that's what Mona also mentioned earlier. That's where we we're well positioned, where we actually we 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 have investments in companies like on on both sides of that um, utility requirement, where there can be a, a cross sell opportunity similar to what's happening in other markets, such like as in the UK, where there's a triple play on you know fiber, water, and electricity all being supplied by the same entity. And
2: um, I think that's a big opportunity. Mona, I don't know if you want to add anything. Yeah, I think I think Mark covered it, Mudewa. Um, what we're selling at the end of the day is a utility. If you look at business, if you look at um, residents, they they pay for water, they they pay for electricity, they they pay for uh, indirectly for for waste disposal as well, they pay for for telecoms. And if we provide in all those essential services, and you can in a sense be a one-stop shop um, for those utility needs. It helps the the client at the end of the day consolidate all those utilities into into one entity um and if you look at global markets um there's precedent out there for for that happening as well.
0: All right, it is an interesting one and um, you know that's where we end off today's discussion and I'm very keen to see how the space uh, does develop over time and uh, the thesis makes perfect sense to me and especially if one is to draw parallels um, with what has happened in places like the United States um, around the provision of let's say um, entertainment and internet services the likes of Comcast uh, being able to provide not multiple services to you, pay one bill and they're able to provide um, your streaming and your, your cable, your cable television and your internet connection all at the same time. And in certain cases, even your cell phone data plan as well, you know. So uh, you know that ability to bring a number of utilities uh, under one roof—it certainly does make a lot of sense. And if we are serious about this consolidation discussion that people are having, then possibly that's the next phase or the next layer um, that we need to be talking about. Um, yes, we're talking about the David's coming together and becoming Goliaths, uh, but maybe you know a couple of Goliaths can come together. Form, you know, a super entity, uh, but uh, you know that's uh, where we end off for today. It has been a really great discussion. Just understanding, um, you know, how um, how uh, the company is actually going out and uh, attacking, you know, all of these uh, various uh, all of these various industries. Uh, that is uh, infra impact. They do specialize in infrastructure um, investments. Uh, they are in water, um, waste, um, telecoms, as well as uh, renewable energy. And I think that piece at the end around um, the development of renewable energy projects together um, with perhaps following the model um, that is used by the likes of fiber, for example, that's also something that we're going to wait to see over time. Definitely keen to get, uh, you know, Mark and Monet back again, you know, the, uh, because for today we just spoke about the telecoms piece and they are investing in three other areas. and I'm pretty sure we could get into some deep discussions, um, you know, around how they're thinking um, when it comes to those various spaces. So that's been it. We we're in conversation with uh, Mark Van Faeck, who is a co managing partner over at Infra Impact, together with Monet Idas, who is also co managing partner over at Infra Impact. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Thank you,
2: Thank you.
0: And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcasts on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter with hashtag BDSpotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on IONO.FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket costs, or wherever you choose to get your pods costed. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail, and this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight, which is a multimedia live production. So, for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning. <music>